0: This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. To know you and to love you, to live in your presence, Lord. And to know you and to love you, to live like there's so much more. Good morning. Wonderful summer it's been, huh? So beautiful. (laughs) I was considering, I was uh, remembering, thinking about all the stories of pastors that I know and Christians that I know who came to know the Lord because they were invited to a vacation Bible school. And there's one particular pastor that I know who, you know, his family didn't go to church, and his friend next door invited him to go to church, and uh, his parents said, well, if they want to take you, they can take you. And he ended up um, coming to know the Lord, and then in the the future, uh, he became a pastor. And and it talks about how valuable that was. So I want to encourage you guys that uh, you know kids, right? You know a kid. Even if you're driving down the road, you see a kid on the side of the road, invite him to VBS. Give him a ride if he needs a ride. These little hearts, this is a children's ministry and even junior high and high school ministry I refer to as sewing ministries. you are sewing into these kids' hearts for the miserable life they're going to have in the future. (laughs) What do I mean by that? They are going to see how bad they need Jesus because they were told when they were kids, life is going to be tough. You know, things are going to get hard. So, and even more than that, inviting some kids that you know, please be praying with us, like, like Ricky said. Be praying for us intentionally for these kids and that they have a blessed week with Vacation Bible School. Amen? Amen. We're in Philippians chapter 3 this morning. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand so that we can get you one. You can follow along, starting in verse 1. The title of today's message is Simple Mind, Simple Mind, or Simple Minded. That's not to be a a jab. It's actually good to be simple-minded. If you remember... um, our last two chapters also had, had similar titles, but um, today, you guys ever heard the acronym KISS before? I, I put it in big letters for you, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, silly. <laughs> Got to church this up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep it simple. Why do we tend to always overcomplicate things? It's like in our blood to make things more difficult than they have to be. And sometimes we just need a little reminding. Do you need to be reminded about stuff? I mean, I've got everything. If I don't write stuff down... It's not going to happen. If somebody says, hey, Tim, can you do this or that for me? I say, can you do me a favor and please text me (laughs) so that it's written down? Because in a week or two, if you said, hey, you said you do that for me, I'd say, I I have no recollection of that conversation. (laughs) We need reminding. We forget things so quickly. I have five kids. I feel like the, the the biggest part of parenting is reminding our kids what to do and what not to do. They already know. I say, you know this already. What are you doing? You should know better. Why do I have to tell you every day? Because I'm the same way. And so are you. We need reminding. We're going to look at six R's. This morning, because you guys like to take notes, I'm told, and I can see sometimes. These things will help you remember six R's. We see the first two in verse one. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. We pray, God, that we would have hearts that are cultivated and, and willing to receive your word to be planted that, and that your word would produce fruit in our lives from it. Thank you, God, for my brothers and sisters who are here this morning. We get to gather together in your name and have fellowship with one another, the breaking of bread, prayer, the apostles' doctrine, Here, what we look at. God, we pray that you would would really unify, solidify, and bless this fellowship that that gathers together in your name. Thank you for that worship team, God, that, that we're so blessed to have each and every single person on that team that contributes to us as a whole, offering you the fruit of our lips. Coming from our heart, that we could sing a little louder because you are so great and mighty. God, we also thank you uh, and, and recognize this time in your word as a form of worship, as a form of obedience, submission to you. And God, I pray that you would bless the tithes and offerings today, that those words will also be made in an act of worship to you, not given to any person or any name, but, but that, that we would honor you in those things that, that you provide us with and, and that you'd be glorified through it. Bless your word again, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's. I was driving down the ninety-five yesterday, and a Henderson police officer switched lanes and got behind me, and I knew immediately when he did it because you know, you know, well, you just know there's something. When he's in a different lane and then he looks over at me and he gets behind me, I'm like, I'm gonna get pulled over. I'm gonna get pulled over. You know. And it seems like God always gives me the perfect sermon illustration by letting me get in trouble for your guys' benefit. (laughs) This is last night. So I pull off the 95. I'm getting off anyway, but I don't want to remain in front of this police officer because should I have any reason to be afraid? Typically, if I was an upstanding citizen, I would not. But I confess to you this morning that I was a little concerned, and he had reason, and this is why. I recently got a Toyota Tacoma, and I took the plates from my 4Runner because I hate the little white piece of paper in my window. I just It bothers me. I don't know why. I can't explain it. And, and I was going to transfer my plates from my old truck to my new truck, so I thought, the sticker's in the window, you know? put on my old plates until it's transferred so I don't look like a goober driving around without license plates. I just don't like it. Every time I see somebody driving without license plates, I'm like, they don't have a license plate. So I knew that if he decided for whatever reason, the good looking guy in the Tacoma, I'm going to run his tags, uh, that he'd see that the plates were registered to a different vehicle and I was going to get pulled over. And I told Grace, she was with me. I said, I'm going to get pulled over. I know it. So I pull up to this light and wanting to get away from him as fast as possible. I didn't California roll. I came to a complete stop, but then I turned. After I turned, realizing that that was a no-turn-on-red light. (laughs) So I'm driving down the road, and I get to the next street, and he's behind me. It's a no-turn-on-red, and he didn't turn on red, which is good, even though he was going to pull me over. And then I took a left, and I'm going, and he caught up with me. As soon as we turn, he pulls me over. He's walking up to the truck, and I reach in my back pocket because I know what he's going to ask for, and I forgot my wallet at home. And I roll down my window, and he says, hey, good, uh, good afternoon, sir. Do you know the reason why I pulled you over? I said, I know three reasons why I should be pulled over. <laughs> but I'll tell you the third when we get to it. He says, first of all, you did a no turn on red back there. That's number one. Number two, I ran your plates, and and you're fraudulently putting these plates on a vehicle that it's not registered to. I said, hey, you know, fraudulent, that sounds serious, man. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And I said, and the third thing, which you're not, you don't know about yet, is that I forgot my license at home. And he said, oh, okay, you know, well, you know, give me your information, your name, and give me your insurance, and I'll go run everything. And he went and ran it and came back and and he said that the false registration is $400 ticket. The no right turn on red is a $300 ticket. Um, and the no license is 200 and something. You're, you're close to $1,000 in tickets in just this, this stop. And I kind of breathed in. And he said, but I don't like to give out tickets. And I said, oh, so what? And he said, I'm going to let you go. But I want you to remember... I want you to remember that you need to take care of these things, and the next time you get pulled over, you might get somebody else who likes to write tickets. I'm very thankful for the Henderson Police Department and for that particular officer, because I don't have $1,000 to give nobody, <laughs> let alone to pay for a mistake that I made. Yeah, I made a mistake. We make mistakes still. And and Paul is emphasizing today in this chapter He wants to remind us that we need to remember where we are. We need to remember what we've been through. We need to remember where we're going so we're in the right place. And life can be simple because we need to remember as believers that we need to keep it simple. First R, if you're going to follow along with me and take notes, in our six R's this morning... The first part of verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Man, I'll tell you what, when I remembered that I had made a mistake and not done those things that I should have done, I sure rejoiced in the Lord as I pulled away from that police officer. And my dad said, did you invite him to church? I was like, dad, I was trying to get away from him as fast as possible. (laughs) Like I told you guys, I'm honest. i am give it to you real. I didn't even invite the guy to church and he was super cool. I was rejoicing in the Lord. One of the first things that you and I need to remember, keeping it simple and having a simple mind, is that you have so much to rejoice in the Lord about. It's the first thing that you should be doing. You know, rejoice is rejoy, having joy again. And it's a continual theme throughout Philippians, and it needs to be, it's the theme for Christianity. It's that we have joy in receiving the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that we should never be in a place of overcomplicating it. Number one, rejoice. Number two, for to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He says, I don't mind saying these things over and over again. Sometimes you guys might think I'm repetitive. But, but, but it's good, it's for our benefit. He says, remember, remember, and I don't mind saying this to you over and over and over and over again because you need to be reminded. There's no point in my life that I'm going to stop reminding my own children things that they should be doing or not doing to prevent them from, from hardship that they don't have to go through, uh, that they don't have to go through, to prevent them from, some, from something that's not going to keep them safe. I want them to be safe their whole lives. So it's not a burden for me, he says, to continue to remind you, to put you in this beneficial place, to keep you safe. Those are your first two words. Rejoice, remember. Look at verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision Who worship God in the spirits. Here's these three groups of people that he's warning them about, who's really the same person or the same people that have infiltrated the church and have corrupted the gospel of God by overcomplicating things. The gospel was meant from the very beginning to be very simple. In fact, I talk to people all the time when I share the gospel with them through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, their sins are atoned for, and they can have a right relationship with God. And they say, it's so simple. What else? And I said, there's nothing else. That's why it's called the gospel translated to, that's why it's called the good news, because there's no burden requirement for you. And there these, there's these people that came into the church, and he calls them dogs. That's an insult, right? He says, Beware of dogs. I read this awesome quote by Winston Churchill this week. It says, Dogs always look up to you, cats always look down on you, but pigs see you as their equal. You can do with that what you will. But he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. You know, these people, they are intentionally doing something to benefit themselves. That's what a worker does, right? You go to work so you can get a paycheck, something that benefits you. He says they're evil workers. They have bad intentions. And usually in the church, when somebody puts a burden on you, it's to serve themselves. Have you ever been in a legalistic church setting before? I have. It's nasty. They overcomplicate things so much to where you have to dress a certain way, you have to act a certain way, you have to be a certain kind of person, and, and everybody looks the same, and if you don't fit in, then you're not welcome. That's not a true gospel preaching, teaching, loving church. That's the dogs coming in. That's the evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. This chapter... Is one chapter in the New Testament that that Paul gets pretty graphic to make a point about. What he's calling them, the mutilation, he's referring to uh, the Jews or Jewish-influenced Christians who are forcing new believers to become circumcised or to hold some part of the Old Testament law. And he says, why are you doing that? You guys are literally mutilating your flesh for no reason. And then he qualifies himself, he says... For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit. We don't worship God through acts of the flesh. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. And and we are the ones that are separate, that are sanctified, that represent that calling. We are the ones who God has has sanctified as holy and special to Himself. Don't hang out with dogs. Beware of evil workers and, and, and beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. It's natural for us, I think, to want to be better. It's dangerous when we start to look at other people and compare ourselves Or try to, in self righteousness, elevate ourselves over other people and say, Oh, I'm better than them because I don't do that. I'm better than them. And this happens in the church as well. Paul says, Don't have any confidence in the flesh, in what your abilities in the flesh are. It's dangerous, it's a very slippery slope though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Number three for your R's, if you're a note taker taking notes, reconsider, verse four. If you think that you can have any confidence in the flesh, you should reconsider because Paul can have more than you could ever have. Him as a historical figure, he can have more confidence in the flesh and his accomplishments in the flesh than anybody in here times 10 probably. And then he lists out this list of of how he can be so greatly confident in the flesh. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. What do those things say? Very clearly this. He was from birth. After eight days from birth, he was accepted in the covenant of God through the act of circumcision. He was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the the area that was favored, even the area where Jerusalem was, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He wasn't a a Greek diluted Jew, which many of the Jews did in that time because of the Greek influence. He was a Hebrew of of the Hebrews. He was proud of his heritage, who he was. He embraced it. By the way, this is the chosen people of God. I know that we kind of brush over that and say it quickly because we, we get it. But, but these people were, were picked by God. He says, that's me. I'm not only picked and chosen by God. I was of the stock. I was of the, the best of the best. Concerning the law, of Pharisee. You guys know what Pharisees were? They were the most legalistic. We say it to each other. Don't be a Pharisee. What does it mean? You're placing burdens and laws on people. There was no getting better than a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Paul says, I was so zealous in my position, in what I believe, I was willing to kill other people to uphold it. Is that what he did? That's what he did. He stood there while Stephen was stoned to death. He said, you, th- you think that you can have confidence in the flesh? I was willing to let other people die because of what I believed. And I was willing to have a hand in it. Concerning the righteousness of the law, and, uh, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. <laughs> if, if I can have confidence in the flesh, I would have attained something great. Great. But we see in the next few verses that it's the opposite of what happened with him. There was a laying down of self. And if you or I can have any confidence in, in, in ourselves, I get really nervous when I hear preachers or teachers you know talking about self-promotion. I don't really see that. The only self-promotion that I see in the Bible is God promoting me. He promoted me to a position that, that, I, that I'm scared sometimes to, to consider. He's holy and he did it himself simply through Jesus Christ. I have no confidence in my own personal ability. But what things were gained to me, he doesn't say these things are worthless. He says that there was some some, uh, profit or benefit to those things. What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus Christ my Lord. This is one of those things that I say over and over and over and over again, kind of like Paul. It doesn't weary me to say it to you again here. I'm going to say it again. Okay, from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, to the end of the Bible, Revelation, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. What does the Bible tell you over and over? The most important fact about the Bible, what does it tell you over and over again? Is that God wants you to know who he is over and over again. This is not a systematic checklist of how to be a good person. This isn't a code of morality. This is God pouring out his heart to a people who have rejected him and acted in disobedience so that you can know who he is. And Paul said, whatever gain I had, whatever benefit it was, whatever was in my past, I consider it all loss." I can, Indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you know why this is such a powerful statement? Because this is coming from a man who was a Pharisee that had a burden on him that you could never imagine. The requirement. And what's the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's nothing required of you. I'm going to fill what needs to be filled. I'm going to do what needs to be done. There's not going to be a checklist that you have to go through. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, Jesus Christ, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Pause. This is the other part of the language that Paul's very emphatically trying to communicate a message to. And it's kind of uncharacteristic in this book. As you've seen through the chapters, it's very warm and bright and joyful. This, these, these terms that he's using now are, are kind of you know like a smack across the face to get attention. The way that you translate this word rubbish is, is refuse or feces. I count them as, as extrement. They're, they're nothing to be compared with what I have received in Jesus Christ now. Could you imagine being that kind of person? Being at the top of society, re- regarded, revered, one of the top of the chosen people of God, and then looking back at his past as, as absolute garbage? No, those things have some benefit to what to whatever degree they do, but, but to know God? But to to know God through Jesus Christ, the only possible way that you can know God? Everything else compared to that, everything else is is baloney. You guys like baloney? I actually really like fried baloney sandwiches. But this is not the good kind of baloney I'm talking about. It's bad kind of baloney. Not to be compared for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Verse number nine, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Somehow we can slip into this mentality of self-righteousness. This is very important for us as a church not to give ourselves over to. Self-righteousness is a very, again, I'll say, slippery slope that you can find yourself in. That's happened historically over and over and over and over again. This is another fact that I've shared with you before, and I would like to share again to, to remind you. Christianity is the only religion that teaches we can do nothing to earn or pay our way to heaven. Christianity is the only religion in the world. Every other religion, every other major religion, there's a requirement that you have to pay to have a relationship with God. Christianity is the only one that says no requirement. Jesus paid it. Have a good conversation with the Father. In fact, this time, instead of just saying it, I made a list for you. Here's here's a list of righteousness in other religions. Number one, Islam, good deeds outweigh bad. These are actual beliefs, by the way. Number two, Buddhism, living in the right manner. Emphasis on manner. What is manner? It's what you do. Number three, Confucianism: appropriate behavior. Number four, uh, Jainism, if you're not familiar, is an Indian religion, cleansed through works. Mormonism extra grace works which i like how some of these other religions even roman catholicism has redefined the word grace if you look up in the catholic encyclopedia the word grace you will find that grace is something that you earn from god that god's favor is something that you earn from him through doing things this is the it's the it's the anti definition of grace <laughs> but when you get in these kinds of institutionalized religions that that I don't want to go overboard too much but find it necessary to manipulate people to do things that they want them to do then it always comes back to works it always comes back to what you have to do and that's why it's so important for us as believers in Jesus Christ to keep it simple. Silly. Keep it simple. It's simple. The gospel is simple. Yes. Do you know why God needed that it was necessary for the gospel to be simple? Do you know why? Because you're stupid. Do you know how I know that? Because I'm stupid. I need Break it down for me, Lord. He's like, I'm going to break it down for you. You're dumb. You can't do it, Tim. I'm going to do it for you. If the Jews couldn't do it, if Paul couldn't do it, if, if the reason I chose people is to show the world that they can't do it, no matter how hard they try, then you can't do it. I'm going to do it for you. You are sinful. You are fallen. What I want to bring is restoration and grace. I want to give you life the way that I intended life to be. Fulfillment of calling, fulfillment of purpose, which you might be able to recognize is what everybody look, is looking for. Our point for verse 9, our R, to be found in him not having my own righteousness, our, our, our word is Rewind. If we ever find ourselves going down that path, right, of of puffing up our chest in self-righteousness that we earned or deserve something, rewind. Go back to, to a previous mentality. Remember the things that God did in your life and don't go down that road. We don't have to rewind things anymore, do we? I just thought of that. We had a super speed rewinder when I was a kid. You know, the VHS takes forever to rewind the movie back. And who didn't rewind this movie when they're done watching it? Wasn't me, wasn't me. (laughs) So get this little speed rewinder just so that you can remember (laughs) to rewind. Don't go down that path of self-righteousness. It's not beneficial to anybody, least of all you. not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. This is another thing that we see through the whole Bible. You know, God just wants us to come to him believing he is who he says he is. Hey, have you ever had to uh, convince somebody that you were somebody who you said you were? Imagine if the police officer yesterday tried to make me convince him that I was who I said I was on my insurance card. He knows who you are already. So did the police officer. He went back to his car. He he was the fastest pullover I ever had and the the greatest thousand dollars that I ever didn't put on my credit card. The righteousness Which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Again, these words, these are heavy, weighty words. What's the emphasis on in that verse? Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is that I may know, thank you, that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, every day, my motivation for reading the Bible, my motivation for praying, my motivation for, for uh, walking with Jesus is to know him more, is to know God more. It's the most glorious gift that God could ever give, to know your creator. And people think that's weird. Do you think that that's weird when Christians say, I know who God is? They say, you're a whack job. You got voices in your head. You need to go to a psychiatrist or something. No, listen, it was God's intention from the beginning to have intimacy and relationship with his people. You were created in his image. One of my favorite pictures of God in the book of Genesis is after they sin, it says that he came down in the cool of the day. He used to have a nice afternoon stroll with Adam and Eve. Hey guys, where are you at? We're hiding. I know you're hiding. What'd you guys do? Did you do the one thing? You had one job to do. <laughs> He's always wanted intimacy with his people. He's always, listen, if, if the one thing that comes from this Bible study this morning, for all of you, please listen to me, okay? If the one thing that you leave church with is this, listen, God wants you to know him. Is that anticlimactic? No. God wants you to spend time this week not as a chore, not as a, an attaboy, not as a sticker on, on the chart on the wall, not as anything that you would personally gain other than getting to know who he is. It was this prayer that changed my life. I've shared this before also, and I have shared it again. It was this prayer I remember in my mind's eye the exact moment I was laying on my waterbed, 16 years old, and I prayed this prayer and said, God, everybody is saying who you are or who you're not. And there's all these divisions and religions. I don't, I don't want to listen to any of them. This is what I said. I just want to know who you are. I just want to know you. And from that moment, God started to reveal himself to me little by little, not all at once, little here, little there, Started growing in the grace and knowledge of, of my Lord Jesus Christ. And the more that I knew, got to know him, the more that I moved forward, the, the least I wanted to leave. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood. You'll have no part with me. A bunch of disciples, like, we're out of here. This guy's nuts. He's talking about cannibalism. He turns to his disciples, says, hey, are you guys going to leave too? Peter says, where would we go? Where You alone have the words of eternal life. What else would we do? Where would we go? No, we're not leaving. Plus, we understand you say these crazy things sometimes. Make a point, Jesus. He didn't say that, but he's not going anywhere. Paul says the greatest benefit I've experienced in becoming a Christian is knowing Jesus Christ more and knowing God my Father, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, I I love the picture of the resurrection. And this is what we talked about at Easter when we talked about resurrection there's power in the resurrection because nobody is raised from the dead, right? Like that is, that, that's the final nail in the coffin. Get it? He, that's it. Once you're dead, you're dead. And that's what all uh, humankind is trying to, to kick against. We don't want to die. We want to live longer. But the power of God is the power of life over death. It's not just being raised from the dead. When I die, I'll take part in the resurrection for sure. But it's living a resurrected life now. It's experiencing the power of the resurrection now. And Paul says, that's what I want. And you can't experience the power of the resurrection of God unless things die in your life, right? Right? You can't experience the goodness of God's grace and how all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, unless there are certain things in your life that die. And then you'll, you'll be able to experience the power of God through the resurrection. How beneficial is that? Paul says, I just want to know him, and I also want to know the power of the resurrection. the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's nothing wrong with with viewing your, your trials and sufferings as good when when your God is the God of the resurrection. Your sorrow, your suffering is nothing to be compared with the power of the resurrection of God and what he's able to do. You know, I've seen the the, the most amazing, beautiful thing about being in ministry for so long is I've seen God heal and take care of situations that were completely and utterly hopeless. Completely no hope at all. This is never gonna be any good for me. It's only gonna be to my detriment and it's gonna cause me suffering. I've seen God redeem and resurrect things from the dead. And people are like, oh. What would I do if God didn't give me this perspective? And sometimes we don't even recognize it like we should. Marriage is restored. Relationships with with children, drugs, prostitution, addiction. He's so faithful to meet his people who were created in his image because he wants you to know him. But I just want to know who you are. That's why I love our church. I love our heritage in Calvary Chapel. One of the mottos of Calvary Chapel from the early days is simply teaching God's words simply. Just read through the Bible. Study, right? We, I, I still apply ourselves to the studying of the Bible. Dig in and reap life. Verse twelve, he kind of shifts gears a little bit. There's two ways of thought that he addresses. Remember, we're talking about thinking, right? We're talking ten times he says "remember" throughout these four chapters of Philippians, and he—he, we're—it's all in your head. We're talking about thinking things. The first thought process is is self righteousness. The second here is 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 the right understanding starting in verse 12, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. There's a submission by Paul to the process. Can you say submission to the process? You got, I haven't done that to you guys in a while. You're a little rusty. There's a submission to the process that God is taking people through. And Paul says, I said all those things. I was the greatest Jew in history, basically, he said, you know, besides Jesus. I was the greatest Jew in history. And then I count that all as refuse for for the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior, for knowing Him, for knowing God. So the next process of thought would be, well, you're perfect. You know, you've arrived. And he says, oh no, I'm still going. I'm still continuing, not that I have already attained or am already per- per- perfected, but I press on. This is our number five, R word, race. You know, there's a time when you're, you ever run a race before? Have you ever run from anybody before? It's kind of the same thing. You're running a race, and there's a time when you just want to give up. You know, I could just stop and start walking. But but in that moment that you think it's time then for you to ramp it up, that's a freebie R word for you. It's not included in the six. But when you're racing, there's a time that you need to ramp. You're failing, and you want to stop, but you keep going. He says, I haven't already attained. I didn't finish the race. I'm still going. I have not already been perfected. I press on in this race that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. (laughs) God reached down through Jesus and grabbed the hold of me. And what the definition of my life now is me reaching out to grab a hold of him in the same way. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is our last R word, number six. It's reach, reaching. You have that idea of of striving after something, not in the work strive sense, but in in the passion desire strive sense. You think of a runner when they're reaching the end of the race. Even if there's nobody behind them, you know, they're reaching out to be the first over the line to finish the race. Did you guys watch the Triple Crown? You see that one horse race where it was so close, like with the naked eye, you probably couldn't tell which horse won. And I don't remember the horse's name, so don't ask me, okay? But there was that one that just you could see on the still shot. it, it, It was fully extended And the other one may have got there first, but it wasn't extended. And that one horse won the race. Paul says, I'm reaching, not that I've already attained, but I'm reaching forward to apprehend, to attain those things that are ahead. And he says this, forgetting those things which are behind. How often does our past mistakes and failures prohibit us from reaching forward into the future? We have doubts and the enemy loves our mistakes. You guys know that? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He loves to say, oh, don't you remember when you did this? You're never going to have worth in God's eyes. You're never going to be able to do anything in God's name because you're worthless. You're good for nothing. Those are lies of Satan because Satan doesn't want you to experience the power of the resurrection. Yeah, those things brought death in my life, but I've witnessed, I've beheld the power of the resurrection in spite of the death, in spite of the sins, in spite of the mistakes. I do not look back at my past and allow that how I dictate, allow that to dictate how I live today. He says, I forget about that stuff. I'm going forward. And then he says this in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now this is packed. Let's unpack this a little bit. And again, I don't want to be overly enthusiastic or emphatic, but I love this verse so much. Look at this with me, okay? I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's pressing forward to the prize. You know what the prize is. It's winning the race, right? What's the prize for Paul? He says the upward call of God. Everything you do in life is either going to be submitted to according to the call of God that he's placed on you, or your own will apart from the call of God. Now, we would like to say that, you know, everything works together for its, you know, uh, divine purpose, even my mistakes. No, no, listen, Th- there's definitely a difference between a submission to the call of God in my life and, and an omission or a rejection of God's call on my life to do what I want to do. There's, I used to, and I still do sometimes, like to play basketball, even as a guy. You know, I like balls, so every time I have like a wadded up piece of paper or something— uh, I throw it into the garbage can. I don't like real basketball, but to me, that's a sport. Because you just not, you don't know, you know, and, and I usually make it, and every once in a while, I'll miss. And it's easy for me to throw that garbage into the can and miss and say, somebody else will get it. You know, there's few things that, that, that drive me crazy, you know, that I think about when I'm going to sleep. And one of those things is when I pull up behind somebody at a stoplight and they roll down their window and throw out a bag of McDonald's on the street, just, whoo, just go from spirit to flesh in a nanosecond. Like, I want to get out and grab it and throw it in your filthy animal. I don't do that, though. Maybe I'll get out and pick it up myself and put it in my car. But if I don't want to do it for myself, why am I going to do it for anybody else? But there was a time in my life, in my submission to God, I don't want to lose the point through silliness, but listen, there was a time in my life, it, through my submission to the upward call of God, that would really bother me. Before, I would think nothing of it. Oh, yeah, somebody else would get it. You know, those losers don't have anything to do anyway, you know, whoever they are. No, no, it would be like, man, I, I want everything. I, I literally want everything I do to, to honor and glorify God. That's not honoring to God. And I would be forced through conscience sake to to get the paper and throw it away. For the glory of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, do we look at our lives through that lens? Or do we look at our lives as kind of haphazardly going through life, going to work, hoping things work out? I can tell you confidently that you can have more purpose in that. And when you, like Paul say, that that you want to uphold the call of God on your life, when you say that, man, you are going to experience satisfaction in life that you've never experienced before. Because it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than having that understanding that exactly what you're doing is what God wants you to do. Even if it's silly and We make jokes about it. It's not that big of a deal. For me, it's a big deal. If I want to know who God is, then I'm going to do things to help facilitate that in my life. Now, I just want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Are you fulfilling the call of God on your life? Can you be confident in your actions? Doesn't it bring a certain level of conviction too? I'm not trying to guilt you at all. Please don't misunderstand me. I want you to know God as well as I know him and you can. I want you to know that God has a specific intended purpose that he knew about when he was forming you in your mother's womb. And I want you to be passionate about crying out to him to see what that is. There's nothing that blesses me more than when my kids come and ask me questions. Well, the right questions, the wrong questions are just annoying. But you can't annoy God when you come to him and cry out to him, Father, what what do you want from my life? He says, oh, just wait till you see what I have in store for you. You are going to witness the power of my resurrection. And it's going to be glorious. You're going to have your socks knocked off you. And then you're going to be able to go out and testify to others of how greatly I want them to know who I am. So yes, I have not attained. Timothy Warholic has not attained. He deserves $1,000 fines. He deserves to go to jail. He deserves so many bad things. But by God's grace, on a daily basis... I'm continuing to cry out to him to uphold the holy calling that he's given my life. You know, holy means just special. I want you to want that. You don't know how badly I want you to want that as well. Because you would experience the power of the resurrection. Verse 15 Therefore let us as many as are mature have this mind and if it is and and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal even this to you nevertheless to the degree that we have already attained let us walk by the same rule let us be of the same mind remember again same thinking it's all in your head remember these things guys remember 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 these things okay and then we get to the end and he says uh, therefore as many are, are mature, I, I'm confident that some of you understand what I'm saying and that you can grasp it. But even if you don't agree with me, um, God will reveal it to you. It's going to happen eventually because this is a spiritual truth that we, can, that we can lean on, place faith in, trust God for. And be this like-minded with me. Be simple-minded. Don't overcomplicate things and do not pervert the gospel. Hey, if people look at you guys and they're going to say, they're going to identify you as a Christian, don't pervert the gospel and put a yoke on them that even Jesus didn't put on them. Okay? Allow it to be beautifully simple and, and, and unashamed, unapologetically. So when they say, is it so simple? Yes, yes, it's so simple. Isn't it glorious? It's so easy. Let's look at these six points and then we'll close and and do communion. Number one, rejoice. Rejoice. Taking all these things into consideration, rejoice. Number two, remember. Number three, reconsider. If you think you're somebody, reconsider. Number four, rewind. Again, if you think that you have some self-righteousness, it's not, it's not any, in any way anything that you have to offer. Number five, race or ramp up in the race. And then six, reach. Keep going. Don't give up. We are here together to encourage each other. Nobody's ever going to come to me and say, Pastor Tim, this is what my struggle is. This is what my sin is. And I, and I say, you're out of here. You failure! You failed Jesus! You failed the church! You failed everybody! You stink, and I never want to see your face again! Because if that principle applied, I'd be in big trouble myself. And I just confessed to you that I got pulled over for breaking the law! That was me! No, it's not that. It's God and His, his mercy. Yes, I still want to do good things. Please, I'm not condoning breaking the law, so nobody... I had insurance too, by the way, and my registration was legal because I still had my moving permit, just so you know. But I did forget my, anyway. (laughs) Whatever your takeaway points are today, think about this, okay? God loves you. He wants you to know who he is. He wants you to witness the power of his resurrection. He wants you to experience the fullness of life that he intended for you. And we're the ones that hinder that, y'all. We are the ones that hinder that. But God in his faithfulness still brings the resurrection. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we can have such confidence in who you are. We can have such confidence in your word because your word is true. We see it manifested in our lives as truth. And when we submit ourselves to your word, God, oh, we, we experience abundant life. We see um, purposes for things, your purpose for us. And, and sometimes when we don't see or don't understand your purpose, we can still be confident because you say that you're going to take care of it. Because you say that you're going to fix it. Because you say that you're going to take care of us. We know that you're going to. We love you, God. We want to honor you at this time of receiving the elements of communion in Jesus' name. No